Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show, everybody. Today is Friday, February 24th, 2017. My name is Jonathan. I'll be your host for today. Joining me in our virtual studio from all over the planet, we have Doug, Tiffany, Gabby, and Elliot. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. And we're missing missing Erica today, so we wish her well. Um, So today, we are going to be talking about new developments in old topics, stuff that we have talked about before, but there are new uh, stories around these topics, um, essentially cell phones, vaccines, and Fukushima. Oh my, is our, yeah. is our topic. Um, so some new information on the, uh, the hazards of cell phone use, uh, you know, is it too late to turn back the clock or is humanity's love affair with wireless technology doomed us forever? Um, we're going to be talking about the new vaccine commissions, uh, or commission, uh, RFK junior, uh, and uh, developments in Fukushima. So I guess uh, to start us off, maybe let's get the really dark stuff out of the way and talk about Fukushima first. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the darkest? I guess it could, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it's kind of hard to... wondering myself. Kind of hard exactly. to kind of s- separate this out. I mean, they're all really, really bad... <laughs> Fukushima is horribly, horribly bad. I mean, it's even killing the robots that they send in there now, (laughs) or at least melting their cameras. Like, these robots are supposed to be able to withstand up to a thousand sieverts of radiation, but they send Mm -hmm. them in there and the robots are melting and dying. Yeah, and they're still trying to say it's only 600 sieverts, only. Only 600 sieverts, which is like something like 15 times what can kill a person. But they're like, yeah, we guess that it's about 600. But how does that make any sense if their robots are supposed to stand 1,000? Yeah, and they only lasted for two hours as well. Mm -hmm. I think it was two hours that they sent them in for. I think they were probably designed to last longer than two hours. So I'm guessing it's a lot worse than they actually thought it was. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand these units, but I think that we can put an example. I think uh, zero, 0. 0.1 sieverts yeah. is enough to increase your risk of cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's like there's a point at which you go from, I might get cancer someday, or I have like an 80% chance to like, your body is going to melt and you're going to die within <laughs> a week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 10 sieverts can kill a person. I mean, there's millisieverts yeah. because they thought that sieverts was too big to measure radiation exposure, but they had to go to that because the amount of radiation coming out of Fukushima is just astronomical. Way, well, I think way the previous worse record than Chernobyl. Was, well, yeah, the previous record, I think, which was Chernobyl, was 73 sieverts, hmm. I believe. And now they don't know how much this one's leaking, but uh, it's obviously... Well over that. Well, in uh, 2012, there was this uh, researcher that uh, was doing some research about the effect of Fukushima radiation on people that lived on the west coast of the United States. And Mm. they studied the time before Fukushima and the time immediately after. And she said that she and her team came up with about an increase of about 14,000 deaths. Uh, a lot of the huh. children and old people because the, their uh, lowered immune systems 
um, but 14,000 more deaths than would be expected in the West Coast right after Fukushima. Jeez. Yeah, it's a weird, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what to think about this. I know that it's bad, so I'm not denying that. But I wonder if it's also a function of our modern environment and how, you know, things are generally more toxic now. And so the bad things are worse than they used to be. Mm. The reason I think that is um, there's a story about a guy in when the nuclear bombs were dropped on Japan. There was a guy who went to work in Hiroshima, um, was there when the bomb went off. Uh, survived and then went to Nagasaki and, and, and survived the bomb blast there. He was, oh, are you kidding? No, it's true. He was there for both of them? Oh my God. He survived and he lived to be like 95 years old. He's he's either the unluckiest or the luckiest dude that ever lived. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's a pretty extreme, it's a pretty extreme case, but you know, there's also like in Chernobyl, the wolf population is coming back, you know, and they're not like crazy mutant wolves. So I'm not trying to say radiation isn't all bad, uh, but I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, is it, is it worse now um, in our day and age because of all the other things that we have compounding, like people's bodies are re- already beaten down. And so the radiation has a, a, a more drastic effect than it would have otherwise. That's well, it's also the amount of radiation. I don't remember the exact figure, but it's, it's the, the, amount that's pouring out of uh, Fukushima right now is significantly higher than what was, uh, you know, came about from those uh, nuclear blasts. Um, I wish I had the figure in front of me, actually, because it was pretty astounding. But, um, yeah, I think that probably has something to do with it. Some people put the example that Fukushima is like an ongoing nuclear blast because the robots melted at the second nuclear reactor and they don't know where the first one and the third one are. They don't know where they are. Yeah. Exactly. They've they've you know, there's speculation that they've melted completely out of the containment area. I think Tapco says that they haven't that they're still contained. But um of course, you can't really believe anything coming out of Tapco because they're really just kind of putting their own public relations spin on the whole thing to make it sound like it's not as bad as it is. Um so, yeah, no, they they don't know. I don't think they even know where the second one is, do they? Uh, I don't know if they would gone. even know <laughs> a, a, a fuel cord from a hole in the ground, which is basically <laughs> what they have. But, you Jeez. know, nuclear power plants, when you think about it, all they really are is they're using these uranium or, you know, some other kind of nuclear atoms, and they split the atoms to produce heat. And they use that heat to boil water, and then the steam from the water moves the turbines that generates electricity. And it seems like yeah. they could have found, if they really wanted to, whoever they are, uh, some safer way to heat water <laughs> to generate steam. <laughs> why? Why do you have yeah, to split like atoms and, and you know engage in <laughs> nuclear fission to have electricity? Yeah, that was something I learned. Like. I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, and it blew my mind. Because I had always thought when I was younger that, you know, there was some, like, magical scientific process that we don't really understand, and, and it, it just kind of sits there and generates electricity, but it's really just a fancy steam engine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is insane when you think about it. Yeah. The most dangerous steam engine ever to have been created. 
you know, seismical fault of the coast of Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and that yeah. makes That's even less I mean, sense. Yeah. I know there's a lot of jokes about how humanity is stupid, right? We do a lot of stupid things. But humanity is also pretty pretty smart. I mean, has come, you know, humans have come up with some pretty crazy things, technology-wise, inventions, um, all of these, you know, innovations. Um, and this, it, it's really, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around when there are, like, literally viable proven alternatives, like the, the, the power generation from, uh, from tidal forces. They put these giant buoys out off the coast into the ocean, and as they move up and down, uh, they generate power. Hmm. Right? Why don't we? Why don't we just lay those all along the east and west coast, and we could power the entire country? Combine that with you know solar and wind. I mean, it 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 literally doesn't make sense why we're not moving in this direction. And I guess maybe we are, but just like way too slow for our own good. Hmm. But then there's always the. The chance, and I mean, don't get me wrong, because I'm sure that's a much better solution than nuclear power. But I know that it seems like everything that we do to kind of maintain this level of of uh, wired uh, existence seems to backfire in some way. So it's like you know, maybe that kind of thing will affect the tides, and then that affects ocean life, and then that affects you know what I mean. Or like wind, they say that you know, if you have these whole fields of wind turbines like that you know, slows down the wind and then the wind isn't, isn't going in the same direction anymore. And that affects, I don't know, something. So, and all the I birds mean, fly into it and die. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I, 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 sometimes I just get in this, this frame of mind where I just think like, you know, it doesn't matter what we do. We're just going to be screwed. Yeah, it is kind <laughs> of a, a double edged sword because you don't know what's going to happen. But, I mean, even then the, you know, people who come up with this new technology, I'm sure they're not. They're thinking, wow, this is fantastic. It's going to change the world. You know, it's mm. going to be a benefit to so many people. They can't envision, like, the things that do go wrong or could go wrong or will go wrong. But at the very least, mm. I mean, if I'm going to fool around with splitting atoms, I'm going to build it on a bedrock of bedrock or something super thick i'm not gonna put it on a, a fault line on a place that is just yeah. known for earthquakes at the very least could they have not done that well and then didn't they they more recently like built one uh, like under a volcano or something like that i remember seeing the headline it said something like you know not having learned their lesson from fukushima the japanese are building a nuclear power plant under an active volcano. Maybe it's not active. I don't know, but under a volcano. And it's just, come on. That sounds like uh, from the pages of Dr. Evil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the secret underground lair. <laughs> it's like, okay, say. Fukushima seemed to go off without a hitch, so uh, what's the second most dangerous place we can put a nuclear power plant? <laughs> Well, another thing about this Fukushima is that it is not getting a lot of reporting in the mainstream press. I mean, no. alternative press is all over the place. But, um, yeah, and, and also when they talk about it, they talk about the iodine-131, which only has a half-life of eight days. But they totally leave out the the cesium and the strontium, and those both mm -hmm. have half-lives of 30 years. 
and plutonium as well. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, basically, it from what I read, like it would take about three hundred years for <laughs> a lot of this radiation to go away, and then you know, not surprisingly, a lot of the uh, West Coast radiation detectors they were shut down after Fukushima. I guess yeah. ignorance is bliss in that case. Well, I mean, um, North American scientists were actually like um, gagged from actually talking about radiation levels at one point. I don't know if that's still in effect or not, but I remember um, at like you know around the time of the incident, um, they weren't allowed to quote scientists talking about this kind of thing in the press. Yeah. Well, and it's not just Fukushima too. I mean, there's so many. You know, remember when we did our show on, on radiation and playing some of those clips from uh, Michio Kaku talking about nuclear disasters, mm-hmm. nuclear accidents mm-hmm. throughout history? Some incredible, incredible things. Um, and, and more recently, too, in, uh, in 2015. And this, and this one I've never heard. You can find it, but you'll never hear about it, you know, in the news. Uh, Carlsbad, New Mexico, when they used improper mm-hmm. materials to store plutonium uh, and the barrel ruptured and it leaked out. And the hospitals within like a hundred mile radius of this town were giving free um, uh, CAT scans to people uh, because the, the risk of cancer had gone up something like eighty percent. Jeez. But yeah, you make a. Just getting back to what you were saying, Tiff, like about the the fact that the the mainstream press doesn't really seem to be reporting this at all. Um, I, I actually wonder if it's if it's just kind of like a sort of uh, reflective of like human psychology that <clears throat> excuse me we don't really want that kind of level of bad news on a daily basis and I mean like you know what more can you really say is other than like by the way uh, Fukushima is leaking out four hundred thousand tons or something like that of uh, radioactive material into the ocean every single day um, it's like it, it, you can almost See, like, I don't, I don't know if there's like a deliberate cover up going on there, or if it's just like people are just kind of like, that is way too dark. We can't talk about that, or you know, it, it's like what you know, you, you just can't say the exact same thing every single day. So I don't know. You know, when Chernobyl happened, uh, or when actually when Fukushima happened, 2011 was it already? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I went and reviewed the Chernobyl literature just to have an idea what will happen with Fukushima. And the Russians, they published from, yeah, the Russian Academy of Sciences, uh, they published a book and, uh, in a main scientific journal. And, uh, their whole research and experience with Chernobyl, and this was in 2009, I think, quite like two decades after, you know, Chernobyl or more, you know. Mm. And they started their book with that, you know, concept, you know, basically, uh, the status quo just wants to cover themselves mm-hmm. and uh, cover up it's the norm when nuclear disaster happens you know they estimated that nearly one million people uh, there were nearly one million excess deaths mm-hmm. related to Chernobyl and it affected also the northern hemisphere over the um, North America you know even though this was in Eastern Europe and they estimated that, yes, there were going to be radiation for hundreds of years, and then that actually is going to increase because of the nature of the nuclear, you know, meltdown. So if Fukushima is like several times worse than Chernobyl, 
yes, we're going to find out that this is going to be so bad. And yes, it might take us 20, 30 years, but we'll get there. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I think, Doug, you had a good point, you know, and it's it may be a function of just too much bad, too much bad information, you know, like, because if mm. you sat down with somebody and said, let me tell you all of the bad things that are going on right now, <laughs> before, before too long, it would be like, stop, okay, I get it, you know, and there's, uh, I mean, we're naturally dissociative anyway, and, and, and even more so now, you know, we look back at our recent show with uh, Dr. Carderis about uh, just dissociation through using screen technology, but, you know, take mm-hmm. that, take that out, extend it out to how humans live their lives and what we do with, with negative information. It's like the, um, the asteroid scenario, right? So if there's an asteroid coming at the planet and it's going to kill off half of the human population, uh, do you tell people, <laughs> you know, or, or do you just let it happen? Do you, do you risk, the upheaval that would happen or just kind of hope that for the best. Um, so it's like with this, you know, like Helen Caldicott, who's a, a, a medical doctor who does a lot of talking about radiation says that every single male, because toxins naturally like collect in the male testes that, that every single male in the Northern hemisphere has one um, atom of plutonium in their testicles. Jeez. Oh, don't tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, do you, do you tell people that? You just I mean, did. Imagine, <laughs> imagine if that came from a trusted, you know, from a trusted a, a source of authority like the government or like the, uh, you know, the FDA or something like that. And that some, somewhere where the, the majority of people would actually believe it, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. they, would go nuts. they would lose their minds. Yeah, people seem to have a particular threshold, depending on the individual, about how much bad news they can take. But I think for everyone, at a certain point, it just becomes, okay, what am I going to do? I mean, at a certain point, you have to just go on and live your life. I mean, we can't Mm. stop Fukushima. We can take iodine, that's for sure, to kind of mediate the effects. But what are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah. Life goes like, on somehow. Maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say, maybe. In a mutated I, form, but it might go on. Yeah. <laughs> By saying this, I don't mean to make light of all the suffering that's going on in the world, but it, it is an exciting time to be alive. There's a lot of crazy things happening right now. So I wonder, like you said, we're, we're just at a time in history where uh, there's such a um, an overwhelming concentration of of new information, positive and negative things that are happening, uh, that it's just like, uh, you know, you, you would have to be to, to truly absorb all of this, I think, and, and understand all of it in one shot and have that like 30,000 foot view of the whole situation. Um, you, you have to be like a, like a monk, you know, or like a, like a, Mm. like a genius or, you know, or something to actually, to actually handle and process all the information at once. Um, so I don't know if I'm getting a little bit too meta, but I think it's an exciting time to be alive. And at the same time, uh, you know, it's, it's also a horrible time and we're seeing all of this happen. And like you said, there's not really anything we can do to change the larger view of what's going on. We just have to learn from it. So it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like the hardest kind of lesson where you're just, here you go, deal with this, see what you can learn from it. Hmm. Yeah, and depending. You can't can change it. 
Yeah, depending on your your worldview, it can be a very exciting time to be alive, or it can be an absolute cluster smurf where <laughs> everything is just chaos. So I think it all comes down to working on yourself, gathering as much knowledge as you can, and finding ways and means to reduce the stress because, I mean, there's really nothing else you can do. <laughs> One of our chatters says, in the middle of a slow-motion car wreck. Mm-hmm. And it, it is it is kind of like that, yeah. You're like, yeah. 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 So, to add some levity to the discussion, because we had talked before the show about how this was going to be a really depressing show. <laughs> I heard a comedian. <laughs> I heard a comedian recently talking about Fukushima and saying that, like, it's just amazing that it's that this happened in Japan because they're dumping all this water back into the ocean, and that's where the story of Godzilla came from. It's like, <laughs> don't you understand that you're not supposed to dump radioactive water into the ocean? <laughs> oh, I never knew Godzilla's origin story. <laughs> uh, you're living it right now. <laughs> but yeah um you know to to look at more i guess practical approaches to this and we have talked about this on the show before that uh you know there are ways to handle it uh to kind of maintain yourself um and not curl up into a fetal position and freak out about you know fukushima and the planet being irradiated um Mm basically just uh, just keep a handle on your health. I mean, that's why we do this show is to talk about health and wellness and what you can do. And at the same time, talk about how to, uh, in a sane and rational way, approach the world around you and all the bad things that are happening. So you don't want to freak out. You know, you need to, you need to keep your job, you know, you need, you need to pay your bills so you don't get kicked out of your house, all this kind of stuff. Um, but you can do some practical things like using iodine, like using, uh, clay, um, Using you know bent night mom really night um, to uh, to chelate uh, radioactive isotopes within your body. Uh, you can improve your immune system by improving your diet. Um, you know you can reduce your exposure to certain technologies uh, and still lead a normal modern life. I mean you know it's not saying that you should never look at like Twitter. You, you can't just don't look mm-hmm. at it four hundred times a day. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, you know, it's, it's just like a lot of times it does, like we've been saying, it becomes kind of overwhelming and you can, you do kind of get to that point where it's like, what can I possibly do? And it's kind of like a, a turning point in some ways, because a lot of people will be like, you know what? I can't pay attention to this. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm turning this off. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to look at this anymore because it's just driving me crazy versus, um, you know, well, what are the things that I can reasonably do to try and, you know, at least mitigate some of these effects. Um, and I think, you know, as most of our listeners um, are aware, we're very big on, you know, gathering knowledge and then acting on that knowledge. So as tempting as it may be to kind of try and brush this under the rug and not worry about it and think, oh, the authorities will deal with this, um, it's better to kind of stay informed and take, you know, some of the steps, like you said, Jonathan, like the the, the different supplements that can help or clean up your diet, you know, maybe not move to Japan um, or whatever, you know, change your location if it's possible, you know, if you are in kind of like a hot zone. Um, 
you know, these are, these are things that, you know, there are things that you can do. And yeah, you know, it, it is going to be planet wide if it isn't already. But, um, certainly there are things you can do to help kind of mitigate the, the circumstances. Yeah. And, um, you know, <laughs> I hate to come at it with such like a, like almost like a Rastafarian type of view, but just enjoy life, man. You know, <laughs> there's, there's a certain element of, uh, of yes, understanding the dark things that are, that are going on and wrapping your head around that. Um, but I think there's a balance, you know, if you, if you let that make you a morose person day in and day out, 24 seven, uh, to the point where you have lost the ability to enjoy things that are beautiful, um, that sucks mm-hmm. too. You know? So it's mm-hmm. like, there's a certain element of balance in there where like you need to find things to enjoy and be like, okay, sure. You know, yeah, I, I might have a higher risk now of dying in my fifties, you know, than I would have otherwise. But, um, you know, am I going to freak out until that moment comes? Mm-hmm. Uh, or am I going to enjoy the time that I have here and learn as much as I can? For example, stocking up on potassium iodide. Mm. Yeah. yeah, nobody knows when their day will come anyway. So that's a good point. You know, <laughs> live your life to the fullest. I mean, there's uh, decay and disgustingness in the world, but there's also beauty. You can find spots of beauty here and there, beautiful sunsets, mountains, nature. Uh, there's still some pristine areas that can be enjoyed. Yeah, but balance, like mm. you said, Jonathan, that's important. Yeah, and the, the thing is, you'll, you'll probably do yourself more harm uh, just by stressing about it so much. It's like, yeah, mm. you know, understand these things happen, acknowledge them, don't try to block them out, but uh, you can't let them overwhelm you or, you know, take over your reality because that way, you know, the stress is going to kill you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you have to yeah. just yeah. deal with it, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And that, I mean, that may more come into play with, um, our, like the topic of cell phones, I think. So Mm -hmm. if I can make sense out of what I'm thinking, like, yes, Fukushima is bad. It's leaking radiation. It is going around the planet. The, the Pacific ocean is pretty much screwed at this point. Um, long-term, you know, I mean, it's not like it's turning green, but you know, long-term. Yeah. Um, but that's harder for people to wrap their heads around because it's like kind of out there, you know, unless say you live mm-hmm. on the West coast or you live like in Hawaii or something. Um, I think cell phones is a more immediate thing that might, uh, that people might have the propensity to freak out about. Um, just from personal experience, it's something that happens with me. Like, uh, so I do work, uh, that involves, uh, computers and uh, my clients are remote, right? So I have to use my phone. Uh, to stay in touch with people, uh, to check things, you know, to it's, it's for work. Now that's not to say that I have to keep it on me all day long, but I usually do because of that. Um, and every once in a while I'm like, Oh shit, it's in my pocket. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's radiating my thigh muscle. Oh man. You know, and that, um, that thought, yeah, it could, for somebody who has any propensity to, uh, to freak out about things could easily, you know, go south. Uh, to the point where that's like the only thing you think about, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit practical approach. Um, have some balance in your life. Um, but that was trying to lead us into talking about cell phones uh, mm-hmm. and development around uh, 5G. Yes. So now we have 4G everywhere, but we are on the road to 5G. Um, yeah. And they have not uh, 
tested the the safety of the uh, increased intensity of the of the frequency. Yeah, the five G technology uh, involves using uh, higher frequency microwaves, if I'm not mistaken. And I think uh, in order to um, roll out this 5G technology, and you know what? I learned something actually. I didn't realize that five, like the, all the G's, actually just stand for generation, like first generation, second generation, third generation. So this is the fifth generation of cell phone technology. Oh. I never knew that. So anyway, <laughs> might be exposing my ignorance there. But anyway, um, so apparently the 5G technology um, is re- going to require all new cell towers, and they're kind of like mini cell towers. But they have to um, be in a higher concentration in any one given area. So instead of having like you know a, a cell tower every kilometer or something, so now it's going to be like every you know two or three hundred meters. I'm making those numbers up. I don't actually know how concentrated it is, but so apparently um, it seems like it's going to be a lot harder to actually escape this stuff. There's a guy who puts a nice analogy so people can have an idea because uh, with the microwave oven, a lot of people, you know, take the precaution to leave it properly closed and not put their face in front of the microwave when it is working. (laughs) (laughs) So this technology is like, okay, leaving your microwave microwave oven, you know, open while it's working. (laughs) Yeah, that's what apparently it's like. Yeah, so they're using untested frequencies in the range of yeah. 28 to 100 gigahertz, whatever that is. I can't even wrap my mind around it, but it's more than humanity has ever used before, and it's going to be spread all around. Like you said, Doug, has to be. You basically they're going to be blanketing us with microwave techno- technology, uh, yeah. and the the. Uh, the companies, the tech companies or cell phone companies who are pushing for this, I mean, they're not the only ones. I mean, they're going to benefit financially, obviously, but the cities who host their towers, they also get a piece of the pie. So they don't have very much incentive to say, no, we don't want these towers in our city. So yeah. there's really not much. I mean, there's some voices in the wilderness speaking out against it and, uh, but overall, there's no big push against 5G, except in the alternative yeah. sphere, of course. Yeah, well, and who, I mean, I hate to be go back to pessimism, but who wants them to test this? The vast majority of people are like, don't waste time testing it, just give me. Uh-huh. Give me the, give yeah. me the faster yeah, exactly. speed, you know? I don't exactly. need to test anything. Well, because there's there's been such an effective kind of washing over of the dangers. Like, most people... Like, you know, if you suggest that, you know, um, cell phones or Wi-Fi or any of that kind of stuff is actually dangerous, they think you're just a kook. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like, where's your tinfoil hat? Like, honestly, like, you know, even just talking to family members about it, at one point, um, a family member for Christmas got me a Wi-Fi router, and I was like, uh... And he's like, you don't believe all that kind of stuff, do you? Come on, that stuff's been proven not to be the case. Like, that, it's perfectly, perfectly safe. And I'm like, um... <laughs> okay, and you know it, it's it's just been so effective because they they just the the industry concentrates on um, only thermal radiation, 
you know, so if it's generating heat, then they'll say, okay, yeah, there's an effect, there's a biological effect because there's heat there. But if there's no heat, then they don't, they don't admit that there's any kind of effect whatsoever. So, I mean, the one article that we read was talking about basically that's like 1930s level of science trying to judge a 2017 invention mm-hmm. and saying it's safe based on those 1930s understandings. So it's, it yeah. really is. Sorry, go ahead. No, so, sorry for interrupting. Uh, I was I was just going to say, like, that whole, it kind of links into the whole mechanistic view of the human organism, that we're just like a bag of cells, and we, mm-hmm. we're just like miraculously stuck together, and we move really mechanically and everything. That, like, that's, that's the biology that's laid out in textbooks. But that's not even yeah. true, you know? It's like when you actually start to look at cell physiology, it turns out that the way that cells communicate is by electromagnetic oscillations. You know, every single cell in the body has has a specific frequency. It's, it's all uh, it's intimately tied to electromagnetic radiation. That's how our body works. And so to think that you can just bombard it with, um, you know, exogenous radiation that the body's never had chance to adapt to, it, it, it's absolutely stupid. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that when you put a piece of meat in a microwave, it turns really dry, you know? <laughs> and that's essentially what you're doing to yourselves. You know, it's not hard. It's not difficult. And so there's there's a massive, massive um, sort of clamp down on, on, on this idea that that somehow exposing yourself to these non-native frequencies is, is going to be wrong or is going to be uh, detrimental. But, you know, like the, the, the research clearly shows that, you know, the, the human body is not adapted to this and it cannot adapt to this. You know, maybe it could over thousands of years, but right now we can't do that. And, you know, it, it's, it's really going to spell, spell some issues for humanity. I think it all, already is. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also the issue of the fact that, um, you know, over the hundreds of thousands of years that we've been kind of populating this planet, um, you know, that we, we're used to a particular type of background radiation that's coming from, you know, it's like cosmic radiation, et cetera, et cetera. And all this non-native stuff that we're flooding into the environment completely blocks that stuff out. So it's like it's not it's not just that you're com- kind of bombarding the uh, the body with um, an, a, a foreign frequency. It's also that you're blocking the frequencies that you are used to. That you you might you know it's it's kind of uh, speculative, but we might rely on those kinds of frequencies in some way. Yeah, well, I don't know if right. um, any of you follow basketball, and this is something that I no. just learned. But LeBron James, who plays for the Cleveland Cavaliers, I guess he was using his cell phone a lot. He ended up with a salivary tumor right on the place where he held his cell phone Hmm. while he was talking. And I'd never heard of this, not that I follow basketball or sports news or anything like that. But he's a pretty popular guy. Seems like it would have been more common knowledge. But um, he ended up, you know, he had the tumor removed and... After that, he was offered a sponsorship for Samsung cell phones and Mm. Beat Wireless headphones. So in a way, that was kind of like those companies were acknowledging that, yes, our products are dangerous and they do have health effects. But here, let's just shut up LeBron James and give him all this money to be our sponsor. And maybe the story will go away, which I thought was pretty dirty. But, uh, yeah, I mean, these... 
these kind of technologies do have a lot of really dire health effects. I mean, there's this one lady, I think she was in California, and she was young, didn't have any family history of breast cancer or anything like that. Uh, she was Asian, and I guess in these studies, you know, Asian people have lower incidence of breast cancer. And she came in with this really uh, advanced and serious form of breast cancer. And everybody was puzzled because she wasn't the typical breast cancer case. And uh, she had this bad habit of putting her cell phone in her bra. And the way the nodes of her breast cancer tumor, it lined up perfectly with the outline of her cell phone. Wow. Scary. Yeah. So they say you should stay at least six inches away. I don't think that's enough, but six inches away from any kind of wireless technology. You definitely should not be having your phone on your belt buckle or in your pocket or in your bra, for God's sakes. Uh, <laughs> not letting your kids play with it. I mean, that's just a whole other, you know, a whole other story we talked about in Glow Kids. But it's just so dangerous, and I don't think the average person knows there. I'm like was written in the show description, you know, it's just this big love affair. And is it too late? I mean, can we, can we detect ourselves at this point? Hmm. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. There's, I mean, I I hate to be the the negative one there, but no, I I I don't think we can either. Utterly shocked. Utterly shocked if if that were to happen, if people would give that up because the the convenience and the level of like dissociation that it provides, um, and you know not just the dissociation but also the convenience of, of connection, um, you know access to communication and all that kind of stuff, uh, the addictive qualities of it, like we talked about with Dr. Carderas, um, no nobody's giving up their phones. I mean, look at like how so. The, just look at the the human uh, kind of the human suffering viewpoint of this. Everybody knows. I mean, okay, maybe there are a few people that don't, but I think the, the vast majority of people understand. If you were to ask them, that phones are are mostly made in China. Um, they're made by people who make like a dollar an hour. Um, they have nets around the buildings for for suicide jumpers, for Christ's sake, you know, because it's such an awful job. Um, and this is a real thing. Now, granted, this story may have been blown up, uh, but it, it does exist that that is a real thing that's going on. People know that. They're like, yeah, we know that, that people make our phones for slave wages. Um, but, ooh, the new iPhone came out. You know, mm-hmm. give me that. <laughs> um, it's like, the uh, like you said, it's, it's a love affair. It's like if, uh, as a hypothetical, if a, if a, if a person is in a relationship with somebody else who is like psychopathic and manipulative, but they have, you know, that oxytocin flesh going on and they're, you know, they're in love uh, and they ignore all of the red flags and the warning signs. That's, that's what we're doing with, with Wi-Fi technology um, right now. It's, it's totally a love affair and we're ignoring all the negative things, not just the, the physical health implications, but also the, the, the human implications and how these things are made. I mean, if you made phones, in factories with skilled workers who were who were paid according to the level of their expertise, they would be like like five thousand dollars a piece, mm-hmm. hmm. and nobody would have them. <laughs> that would <will> be great. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, speaking of skills and ingenuity, like just like with the uh, nuclear power plants, is there not a safer way to keep us all connected than mm. by just, you know, blanketing the entire earth with microwaves? Is there some other way that we can stay in touch with each other without having to suffer such ill effects? Write letters. <laughs> can people write anymore? That's <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like um, we've kind of passed some some sort of point where I, I don't know if it is possible to go back. Um, I kind of lean toward, more towards what Jonathan is just saying is like, no, you know, people aren't going to give that stuff up. I mean, especially given the, the level of awareness of your average person. I mean, you know, there, there's the, this kind of obscure idea that uh, cell phones might cause brain cancer or something like that. And, you know, some people will take some sort of precaution against that by, you know, using a headset uh, or like, you know, something that mitigates it or, um, you know, keeping it in airplane mode when you're not using it, things like that. But uh, the idea that we would, you know, actually give it up, you know, throw it away. I'm done with cell phones, done with computers, all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It kind of seems like we've already passed a, a certain point that, you can't really go back now. You know, I can't really see a mass movement of people going back to the land, you know, little house on the prairie type style. I just don't see it. No. Yeah, it, it seems like the only thing that people can really do um, to try and mitigate some of those effects is to try and understand, first of all, what does something like EMF do to the body, you know, essentially, from what I understand, it decreases the body's ability to make its own energy, yeah, and that's generally what most toxins do, what, you know, most of the things that are known to be toxic or linked with illness are things that generally stop the body from being able to produce its own energy so that it can repair itself, yeah, so I really think that one of the only things that we can do is just try to optimize the way that our body produces energy you know optimize our health uh, optimize our lifestyle and just do the best that we can to try and initiate those repair mechanisms because mm. it, you know we can't simply just get away from this we can't just even if you move house say say you move into i don't know like out in the country somewhere you're still going to be affected by this so i mean like you can just you can only try your best you know yeah, you can't go around shooting down all the cell phone towers. <laughs> That's a thought. <laughs> we would well, never do something like that. There's a company, I don't know if it's Amazon, but you know, they have the cell phone towers. There's like maybe about 220,000 with the the 4G technology and then the 5G technology is going to have even more. But now they're um there's something to about uh, some companies developing flying cell phone towers. So I guess the cell phone tower can move to wherever it, it's most needed. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you can put your phone on airplane mode. You can, you know, optimize your energy production, but you can't do anything about a cell phone tower <laughs> flying right over your house. Uh. <laughs> it's that slow-motion slow car wreck, man, you know, mm -hmm. like... No, you can't stop it from happening. You can only observe and learn as much as you can until the crash happens. I don't understand the point of a flying cell tower, though. Uh, they they understand it, and I guess that's all that matters. <laughs> <because> <laughs> that's all that matters. Nobody's really asking for it. 
Well, it would. I mean, yeah, no, that's... The, the cell network is created by the the overlap of of the you know the the um, the circumference of the 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 wave that comes out the the reception from the tower, and they they overlap with each other, and that's how you get more increased coverage. That's why when you go to a city, you get really great service because there's more towers that are overlapping with each other. Um, so if you, I mean, you know, conceptually it makes sense, uh, that if you had a tower that was mobile, um, you could, uh, you could adjust the strength of the network on the fly by moving the towers around. No pun intended. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was yeah, George I mean, Soros. I, Sorry, I was just going to add, I think it was George Soros who was actually, um, campaigning to create a, a sort of matrix upon the whole globe, where there was um, essentially, it's like, I don't know whether they use towers or not, but it's like a weird, like, net effect around the whole globe, where you can get Wi-Fi coverage anywhere you go. Um, And so I think soon it may even be a case where there will be nowhere that you won't get cell phone coverage. There will be nowhere that you can't get Wi-Fi. You'll be constantly locked into this grid. Um, And, you know... That will, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> yeah, well, and you lock, you lock that in with the other, the, the new, um, you know, augmented reality technologies that are coming out. Um, if everybody's ever seen uh, Black Mirror, the show on, on Netflix is kind of like a dystopian uh, Twilight Zone. Um, in a lot of the episodes of Black Mirror, the characters have little implants in their eyeballs that allow them to see, you know, an augmented reality user interface laid over the environment around them. And that is not that far away. Mm-hmm. Um, That's creepy. That's really creepy. Years, maybe 10 years from now that could be available. Um, you know, there's already, you can already do that with glasses. Uh, Google Glass does that. Uh, and the Oculus, which is this big clunky, you know, video game interface. But the, uh, you know, at the pace that technology improves, well, improves as a relative increases. Um, it's not going to be that long before this is boiled down to a, a, a contact lens or, or an implant of some kind that you can put directly into your eye. Well, um, Sony already patented uh, contact lenses where you can take pictures or video just by blinking. So it really isn't mm. that far away. <laughs> no. Jeez. Mm, maybe... We should rethink these whole tech ideas. Well, yeah, well, that's the, um, the leaders in the industry want this. The the like so called thought leaders, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, who who are at at the forefront of developing technologies and kind of like tech philosophers, I guess you might call them, uh, want mm-hmm. by and large the increased uh, bio integration of technology to the point where it's a part of your body. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a cyberpunk author, it sounds really cool. Uh, yeah. when you look at the, uh, you know, when you look at the, um, the actual effects of, I mean, we're probably going to find, I think like Tiff, the stories you told about the tumors that are coming up from phones mm-hmm. that we're seeing like the rise, the initial rise of the wave, you see a wave coming in off the ocean and there's that initial kind of like the water sucks back and then you see it rising in level. Like that's where we're looking at right now with all of this, and uh, I mean, who knows how long? It'll be. Um, it could be a could be a few years. It could be like fifteen to twenty years, but it's going to happen. 
at the point where there's just going to be an ex- an undeniable explosion of uh, negative health impacts uh, that cannot be ignored any longer. And everybody's going to go, oh, shoot, like we screwed up. You know, now we have to backtrack and find another way to do this. Or I guess it's just going to be completely swept under the rug and that will be the new normal. Like you just, you know, that's, that's is you, the way, if you're a human being, you die of cancer when you're 52, you know, that's just how it is. And everybody Mm -hmm. understands that's how it works. Like that could be the new normal. Well, I think slowly we're creeping towards merging with machines anyway. Um, There's, you know, the cell phones that came along, people were wearing them on their body. And now they have like uh, the, the nanotechnology clothing, the smart glasses. They have smart onesies and leg bands and diaper clips and smart socks for babies that can monitor their physiological functions to keep their parents aware. Like if uh, they experience any kind of oxygen desaturation or if their heart rate slows down or if they stop breathing or something like that. So, yeah, we're not too far removed from completely merging with the Borg. I mean, there's going to be some people (laughs) who go against it, but a lot of people want it. Like there's, I think it's in the Netherlands somewhere, there's this company where uh, the employees are getting chips embedded into their hands so they can, you know, just wave their hand in front of the door and the door open instead of waving a key card because that's just so (laughs) inconvenient (laughs) to do. But yeah, there's a certain segment of the population, the tech heads that that are calling for it. Oh, yeah, like rabidly enthusiastic about these sorts of things. Like really, you know, the, the, any little technological innovation that comes out, they're, they're completely 100% on board. Like I think you, you actually said a lot, Jonathan, when you said that. It's like, you know, if you're a, a cyberpunk author, it's pretty cool. Well, I think a lot of these people are kind of living in that world. You know, they have this fantasy about some sort of utopian future where everybody is, you know, you completely... Where you stop and the computer begins is a completely blurry line. Dystopian future. <laughs> well, yeah, to, to me, <laughs> to us, I think that's that's true. But I think uh, there are a lot of people out there, and I think it's promoted in a lot of things in, like, you know, mainstream movies and television, things like that, who are, like, rabidly enthusiastic about these sorts of ideas. Hmm. Yeah. What's, I mean, what's I, really I, I, I was just going to say, what's really ironic is about a lot of this is, is that you have loads of these um, tech giants and stuff who won't even let their kids use this technology. Like, for instance, I'm sure mm-hmm. it's fairly well acknowledged that Steve Jobs, um, the owner of Apple, or the creative of Apple, and iPhones and everything like that, I- I'm sure I read somewhere that he didn't even let his kids use this technology because he understood the, um, the potential negative health effects. But, I mean, like, you've got to be a pretty spineless individual to not let your kids have it because you understand how damaging it is, but then sell it to millions and billions of people. Mm. I just find that really, like, you know, evil horrible to think about. <laughs> evil, yeah, it's yeah, totally evil. Word, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, Doug, what you were talking about, I used to be that way. Um, I did, you know, I've done, like, interface design and, and stuff like that for for quite a few years. And I started working in that field in like, uh, 2000. Uh, and at that time, you know, there was flip phones and, you know, the cell phone thing had not exploded yet. 
And I remember talking about with my colleagues at the time, like, how cool would it be if when you walked into your house, you had a little transmitter in your pocket and, you know, you could set your preferences for your house. And so when you walk in the door, the heat turns to the level that you want or the AC. And as you walk through the rooms, like the lighting adjusts and the music changes, you know, and that, that, that was like, we're like, how cool is this? This incredible idea, you know, come to find out that is now like on the market. Uh, and, uh, you know, understanding at this point that, uh, that it's damaging to the body to have that amount of wireless frequency around you. I think it got away from us. Uh, and, and people thought like people got taken in by the romantic idea of technological innovation, um, Mm -hmm. and ignored, you know, the potential health side effects, um, that were going to happen because, you know, how long has this been around? You know, like what it's been less than 20 years that, that we've been blanketed in, in this kind of, uh, you know, frequency fence. Um, mm-hmm. and so we, we haven't even had time to wrap around, wrap our heads around the, the truth is the, the fact of what's even possible, let alone, mm-hmm. you know, troubleshoot it and test it and find out what it's doing to us. Um, and now like Tiffany cited that source, we have people getting tumors in the shape of their cell phone when they leave it against their body, you know? Um, I feel like it's going to come to a head. Uh, and I wonder, like we we're talking about, you know, have we gone too far? Is there, is there a point at which we can turn back? I don't think so. Um, but I think like we're in that process of, if you like back way up and look at humanity and in history, you know, over like the span of millions of years that we're like, <clears throat> we destroy our environment through our desire, uh, for more uh, convenience. And like, so we use our powers of innovation, uh, but it gets, uh, it gets diluted and distorted by my greed and, and laziness. Uh, and then we destroy everything around us. And then the planet resets for like a hundred million years. And then we do it again. Mm-hmm. And we just keep doing that over and over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty morbid. That's, that's my view on humanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no real question that I think, we, you know, it's kind of like we all got taken in by the cool factor of, like you were saying, Jonathan, I mean, I used to think about that kind of stuff too when I was a kid and I was reading sci-fi novels and stuff like that. Like, you know, how cool would that be? That would be so awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's kind of like you just get so wrapped up in this kind of this rosy image that nobody's looking at the or very few people are looking at the negative effects. The, uh, you know, all the stuff we talked about with uh, Dr. Carderas about kind of the more social um, aspects, um, neg- negative aspects in that way, um, as well as the more physical stuff like the radiation. So it's, um, yeah, it's it's pretty bleak. I'd like to think that maybe humanity can learn this particular lesson and maybe not have to do it again in 100,000 years, or said. but um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's I pretty I well, yeah. if that wasn't bad enough. <laughs> well, should we, uh, should we cheer ourselves up and talk about vaccines for a little bit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like whistle- whistling past the graveyard is a is a skill now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. 
Well, there was there was uh, new information coming out about even more contamination besides the usual amount of contamination in vaccines. Um, some researchers studied vaccines, and they found that all of them, every human vaccine that they tested, contained metals and debris. The only vaccine <laughs> that was clean, so to speak, was a cat vaccine. But they found um, red blood cells from humans, animals, which isn't really surprising considering that they use bovine serum to uh, grow the vaccine substrate and they use human cells. And there's no way they can filter all of that out, even with the best filters. Uh, but they also found lead, tungsten, gold, chromium, stainless steel, platinum, bismuth, mm-hmm. silver, iron, and chromium, just to name a few. <laughs> and, and none of this stuff is listed on the vaccine ingredients insert page. So this is just, just you know, an extra added cherry on top for when you get your vaccine. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not bad enough, the stuff that is listed on the ingredients. Now you have to worry about all the stuff it's contaminated with as well. I also learned for this show that all vaccines are in theory processed with mercury because it's just what they use to sterilize them. Then supposedly it leaves traces and uh, that's not listed. You know, it's not considered a mercury-containing vaccine. Just if they add extra mercury... Like for the influenza vaccine, yes, it's considered. Yeah, so they'll say, oh yeah, most vaccines don't have mercury in them. But mercury is used in the processing. So there's, there's, it's pretty good chance that there's going to be traces in there. So the idea that, um, oh, you know, because, you know, mercury is all, always thought of as the the ingredient in, uh, what's it called, Timur- timorosol? Timorosol. Yeah. Timorosol. Yeah. And they say, oh yeah, no, this vaccine doesn't have timorosol in it, so there's no, no mercury. Are you sure? Because uh, chances are there's some in there, among all this other stuff. This is another thing where it's uh, it's fascinating to me. That it's, so, it's so hard to talk about because you get like this rift between people. So I, I try not to do like the black and white thing, right? Like so, there's one side and there's another side. However, in some cases that does happen. I think generally. You know, politically, socially, most people are are in kind of the middle, and then you have outliers are in the extremes, and then they're the ones that make the media, um, and that's why everybody thinks that it's left and right. But when it comes to vaccines, there does seem to be this this rift between there's one side of people who trust the medical establishment and say, you know, doctors know best, and they're going to tell me how to heal myself, and there's another side which I consider myself a part of, where it's like if you think that 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 the medical establishment has your best interests at heart, you're, you're, you're off your rocker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like the idea, like, like you, Tiff, you just said, so there's all these metals in the vaccines and they're not on the label. Um, well, of course they're not on the label. You know, in my mind, that makes total <laughs> sense. They're not going to tell you that, you know, but to a lot of people, to a lot of people, they consider that uh, disinformation because, well, there's no way that there would be all this stuff that, you know, this is $20 million per, per test, you know, they, it has to be vetted and there's no way they would lie to us about this. Um, this is so hard to, uh, to bring up to people. Uh, but you know, all you have to do is do a cursory look at, 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 at the history of, um, you know, the rise of the medical establishment in this country and where it's gone. 
um, you know, the, <clears throat> the opiate epidemic, epidemic, um, you know, vaccines, all of these things. Like, I understand that it's a sacred cow for a lot of people, but I, I fail to grok like just how trusting people are in, in their, in the medical establishment. And I'm not talking about doctors. We've talked about this before. Yes, there are a lot of screwed up doctors. I think generally by and large doctors get into the field because they want to help and heal people generally. Um, but then you have a, a system that's built around billions and billions of dollars in profits. Uh, and that's what drives the industry. Not, not the one guy in, you know, Tuscaloosa who wants to help his patients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Robert Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, the vaccine commission under Trump is still in the works, and he offered $100,000 to any journalist who can find a peer-reviewed study that demonstrates that thimerosal is safe in the amounts that they are currently in in vaccines. And so far, no takers. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. He's been researching this topic for 10 years. Mm -hmm. I know what he's talking. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting approach, though. You know, it's kind of like, well, put your money where your mouth is. Like, you know, all these people are saying, no, you know, just these blanket denials that there's anything wrong with it, that it's perfectly safe. Oh, we'll prove it. You know, show us. Is it safe? If there's a study out there that says that it's safe, then show it. You know, because, you know, so, so much of what you hear in the mainstream media is like, oh, it's been, you know, vaccines have been proven safe. Well, no, they haven't. You know, that's not, that's not actually the case. Yeah, actually, more mainstream publications are publishing side effects. For example, recently for the HPV vaccine, the human papillomavirus vaccine, they are admitting more clusters of side effects, you know, uh, complex regional pain syndrome, chronic fatigue syndrome, paralysis, you know, weird neurological syndromes where women are in wheelchairs, then they published a study recently which showed that there are more neuropsychiatric syndromes in vaccinated uh, populations, more OCD syndrome, anorexia, uh, ADHD, um, anxiety, and severe depression, and bipolar syndrome. Huh? Hmm. Well, I think a, a big issue with this is a lot of people really do trust the medical establishment. What they say is gospel. And until they experience an adverse reaction themselves, or God forbid one of their children comes down with some kind of disorder, they're not going to believe that vaccines aren't safe. Um, it's, it's a great divide. It's like two different realities going on. And a lot of yeah. this um, anti-vaccine... Well, a lot of the advocates is kind of like screaming into into the wind a lot of the time because there are people who know and they don't need to be convinced. And the ones that you really, really have to be, you know, you feel the need to convince can't be convinced in a lot of ways. So, I mean, it's good to have this research out there, but uh, it just seems so much like beating your head up against a brick wall to even bring this mm-hmm. up with a lot of people. Like there was these. Respect- uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, well, I was just going to put an example of an interview I saw to a pharmacologist. He was sixty-something years old, so his whole life he has been a pharmacologist. 
this is a person that doesn't work for big pharma but studies drugs and he said point blank that i've been studying this my whole life and i just manage like a few drugs that i can count with my fingers you know like eight, you know, that he knows well, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he says, how can a doctor, you know, know like hundreds of drugs out there that he uses on a daily basis if I've been studying this my whole life and I wouldn't know like eight, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they, they don't. Well, I mean, to what you were saying, Tiff, I think it's kind of, it's kind of like taking the red pill for a lot of people, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. to have to admit that, you know that the that these things aren't safe it's it's like there's so much of your psyche your you know your psychological structure is built on this idea of you know these things are safe these things are not safe you know these authorities can be trusted or these people can be trusted and these people can't and you know it's it, the, the idea of like kind of admitting you know this this one fault into that whole structure the whole thing comes down so I think in, in a lot of ways, we kind of like, we protect our psyches against these kinds of complete disintegrations, um, just out of like a need of, of cognitive safety more than anything else. So I think that, um, that's probably why you see such rabid kind of, um, blowback against this kind of anti-vaxxer thing. It's like people feel threatened by it and they'll, they'll give excuses of like, you know, well, you not vaccinating your kid you know, puts my kid at risk, which is nonsense. You know, if vaccines worked, that wouldn't be the case. But uh, I think really it's that it's that it's it's they're kind of protecting their psyche in a way from from having to accept something so mind blowing, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And the um, <clears throat> the whole uh, the co-intel pro around the whole thing. I mean, you know, I don't know if OK on the books somewhere in, in Washington, D.C. that there's there's a book called Cointel Pro, and this is one of the one of the procedures in that book. I don't know if that's the case, you know. But mm. the Cointel Pro is a, is a real thing. Uh, if anywhere listeners, I think most of our listeners are familiar with it. But if you're not, look it up. Um, it's the idea of uh, infiltrating a, a movement and then discrediting it by creating false associations and disinformation and things like that to bring the movement down. Um, <clears throat> so this is a, a, a documented uh, method. And those, I think that those uh, methodologies can be seen in uh, what we're talking about. And what I'm what I'm referring specifically to is the blanket association of any kind of a controversial viewpoint with all of the other controversial viewpoints at the same time. So mm-hmm. if you say, "Hey, there's some weird stuff going on here. Vaccines might not be safe." All of a sudden, you know, you're. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald didn't do it. You, you know, you believe in the flat earth. Uh, you know, you're like, you're all about, you know, UFOs and conspiracy theories and tinfoil hat and like, you know, abolish the fed and like you're a Trump supporter. And like, you can, all of these things get blanketed into this one, um, picture and people are so uh, quick to label you with all of that other, um, uh, imagery, uh, mm-hmm. Based, based on one thing that you said, you know. Well, a good example of that, sorry. No, no, go ahead, please. Sorry. I was just going to say a good example of that. I noticed in, in the stuff that we were reading, um, uh, any of the statements that uh, RFK makes um, about vaccines, he's always very careful to, you know, put out there kind of at, at, at the very beginning, I'm not anti-vaccine. 
and I think that um, you know his his position is that I'm not anti-vaccine. I want safe vaccines. You know, which is very different because he's he's having to do that to try and avoid being painted with the uh, anti-vaxxer nutcase um, stigma, which uh, has been propagated by the mainstream media so effectively that um, you know even if he is anti-vaccine, he can't come out and say he's anti-vaccine because nobody will listen to him. Yeah. So he has to say right off the bat, "Listen, I'm not anti-vaccine, but I think we need safe vaccines." And I think that, um, you know, which I don't think is a bad position to be in. I think that that's actually very reasonable. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to discredit them altogether to be like, you know, we need to take a better look at this. Because the, the position put forth in the, the mainstream media is that vaccines are 100% safe. And if you question that, you are a complete nutcase, which is a ridiculous perspective. Well, there was a mainstream study that they did on children. Uh, ages 6 to 15 years old, and the researchers uh, looked at the year after they were vaccinated for, you know, various ailments. Um, and they found that, you know, well, first of, first off, they just totally dismissed the link between vaccines and autism. But they said that there is a link between, a temporary link, so they said temporarily related, uh, between vaccines and OCD, anorexia, nervosa, anxiety, chronic tick disorders, ADHD, major depression, and bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not autism. You know, that's just impossible. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and then at the, the end of the article, you know, they said that these may be temporary, temporarily related to having received a vaccine in the year prior to the study. And... They just go on and they warn their the the public against not vaccinating. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it I applaud I applaud JFK for you know bringing this out into the open and offering the money. But I think just like everything else is screaming into the wind when it comes to vaccines. There's too much money behind it. The interests are too big. I don't have any hope that anything is going to change for the vast majority of people who believe that vaccines are safe and effective. I think that they're just going to go on and continue to believe what they believe. And the people who know the truth will go on in their own way. But it's going to get ridiculous because I think they're testing some 200 or 300 new vaccines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they want it to be all on the on the vaccination schedule. I don't yeah. know. It's going to get ridiculous. It already oh. is. Yeah, it's going to get super ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous enough as it is. Maybe there will be more awareness if doctors, you know, especially ER doctors, where most of the the problems are first discovered like when a a child comes in due to some adverse event yeah they there is a database called the vaccine adverse events reporting database VAERS, so it is called but there's a doctor that was talking about he was a former er doctor he was saying that he very rarely used that and he's seen lots of cases where he thought that the symptoms were linked to a child getting a vaccine that very same day and they came into the ER that night. But he said that, you know, 99% of adverse events about vaccines are not reported. So I think that is another reason why people are so in the dark about the damage that vaccines can do. Mm -hmm. And now it's being tied in with the, uh, 
the social justice stigma too. I don't know if you guys have seen this at all, but I've seen it crop up a few times here and there on, on Facebook specifically where uh, it's essentially saying like, if, if you think vaccines cause autism, do you hate autistic people? What? And I know I'm, simpl- I know I'm simplifying it, but it's, that's, that's what it boils down to. It's like, it's like by, by saying vaccines cause autism, autism is bad. You are bigoted against autistic people. Oh my God. That doesn't God. make any sense. It doesn't oh make any sense. I know. I know. But I have seen that. So I'm and not so saying if you it's don't want yet, but it, the seeds of that are starting now. So if you don't want to get cancer, then that means you're, you're biased against cancer. People who do have cancer. Right. <laughs> They're awful, awful people. Mm. You're racist yeah. against cancer havers. Yeah. Well, and that's where I remember having that thought when I when I saw this was like, well, I you know no obviously like we can all say that doesn't make any sense but it's like even if you tried to have a rational argument with somebody about that, um, you you can say you know autism is not the desired state of the human brain, right? I mean, it doesn't mean that I hate autistic people. It's just it's a malformation and it's not you know, but you can't like have those rational arguments. I, again, I'm not saying that that viewpoint is widespread. Again, a lot of people would find that completely ridiculous. But I do think that the seeds of that are starting and it's this melding of the simplistic black and white viewpoint that, have, that people have about everything that's going on right now. They're all like merging together into this into this great mass of idiocracy, essentially. Well, yeah, this whole... It seems like um, it's almost like a counter, uh, like a counter attack almost, because there's all of this stuff coming up about the vaccine link with autism and um, everything else, like the the chemicals in the food and everything, and all these things are being linked up to autism. But then there's also loads of people coming out now who are saying like uh, they're trying to promote the view that autism is somehow a um, a benefit, and we should. We should um, we should accept it in society, and these people um, they are somehow almost like evolved in some way, or they, you know, they're special. And and I'm not saying that people with autism are not special. Yeah, <laughs> what I'm saying is that it is inherently a defect. Yeah, and some people are saying that it's not a defect, and it's something that we should acknowledge as almost like a, a personality benefit or something. And it's almost like it's like oh this God. counter. Trying to trying to essentially um, like as you would say, John, Jonathan, uh, I, I find it hard to explain um, what I'm trying to say, but it's kind of like they're trying to say that autism is not this bad thing when it actually is. You know? Hmm. Well, it's hard, it's hard to explain because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and you can you can hold you know these two viewpoints at the same time. You can say. You know, autism and things on the spectrum are a, 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 a you know a defect or a malformation in the human brain, but that doesn't mean that those people are, are bad or that they should have less rights, you know, or that they that they uh, that they asked for that, or it doesn't mean any of that. Um, you know, I I know a person who has Asperger's uh, who is a freaking genius, absolutely total genius, and. I, I bet you at the same time that if you asked this person if they would w- prefer not having Asperger's, they would say, yeah, you know, I wish I didn't have this. Mm-hmm. So it's like, 
but you you can't hold those two viewpoints. It's like you got to be one or the other, um, and it's frustrating. That's what makes it really hard to talk about. Well, it, it makes a sick kind of sense, though, too, when you think about um, on one of our past shows, we were talking about uh, one researcher who had looked at kind of the rise in autism and said something something absolutely astounding, like, actually, it might have been in Vax now that I think about it, but um, that by 2030, if, if autism rates continue to increase the way that they are, by 2030, 50% of the male population will have autism. So it's yeah. almost like uh, this is the beginning of the uh, autistic rights movement because uh you know clearly it's a it's a growing population clearly everybody's going to be autistic <laughs> yeah yeah they're all special yeah stop oppressing the autistic jonathan <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh man you know and what we uh how, how how did we uh how did we get here you know by the the runaway train that is experimental medicine. It's just, it's really frustrating. I mean, you know, of course I could go on for hours and hours about this, but it, the one thing that comes to mind is meanwhile, they just made CBD a schedule one substance. Yeah. So where, you know, if you I didn't know that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Schedule one literally means no medical usage whatsoever. When that is the only purpose of CBD as a compound is the medical usage. <laughs> So it's yeah. like it's like making uh, Tylenol Schedule One. You know, it, <laughs> it's just crazy. So the, I don't want to go off on that tangent, but that's one example of you know this um, cognitive dissonance that's around the whole field. It's like whatever the establishment says is the truth. I'm not going to worry too much about it. Um, but as soon as you start to dig into and look at the contradictions, uh, you you want to scream because it doesn't make any sense at all. Well, I think one of the ways how we got here um, was in the U.S. in particular when they kind of removed all accountability from the pharmaceuticals in regards to vaccines because, you know, <clears throat> they were kind of, they're at this point where, um, you know, uh, vaccine manufacturers were saying, well, we're not going to do this anymore because we're having adverse events and then we're getting sued and we're having to pay all this money. So, that you know, our bottom line isn't being covered here. So we're going to stop producing vaccines. And the government, you know, I, I can kind of see that they were maybe, you know, if, if you had the viewpoint that vaccines are absolutely necessary to have a healthy population, and suddenly you have this threat of vaccines disappearing because nobody wants to make them anymore, well, suddenly they're like, okay, well, we're going to remove all your, your accountability so that um, nobody can sue you directly. And we'll see all the cases about um, adverse events in the vaccine court, which is a nickname for their, their court system that... Um, that where you where you actually uh, can um, sue for adverse events from uh, vaccines, and uh, so basically they said, okay, so you know you're no longer accountable. Well, okay, what's going to happen in that situation? Like I can see that maybe this was kind of done out of a benevolent. See, they saw a need, and they're like, okay, well, we'll we'll do this, and then, but as a result, because the pharmaceuticals aren't accountable anymore, well, what's their incentive to actually do? the right research to make sure that none of the, the ingredients they're putting in are actually harmful or anything like that, they're, they can't be sued. So it's like there's no accountability there at all anymore. So I think that's one of the, the, the main things that's kind of led us to where we are. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point. 
And just like with cell phones and Fukushima, I mean, there's no going back. They're not going to not produce vaccines anymore. It's just going to get worse and worse. (laughs) Total reset. Total reset. (laughs) (laughs) I think they would take they would take a great step in actually renewing that accountability. But um, yeah, I can't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah. So I hope we haven't bummed out everybody (laughs) too much. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The moral for today's show is that we're all screwed and there's no good way out of this. (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. So whistle while you work, I guess. Um, But on that note, (laughs) uh, (laughs) we... (laughs) We are uh, we are coming up on our time. Uh, just to just to say real quick, just so that we're not leaving it on a total bummer, because a lot of stuff is a bummer. But like we have talked about before, and I know I'm kind of repeating myself, but um, the best you can do is 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 see, uh, you know, what you can do for yourself and for your immediate friends and family. Um, you know, uh, I would say especially like basically just yourself and your children. Um, you know how you can uh, mitigate uh, negative effects of the uh, the toxins and the the radiation in the environment around you. Um, how you can learn uh, about things that are going on, but be very careful to take in all sources and try to employ some critical thinking. You know, basically just do your best not to be sucked in by the authoritarian follower movement uh, that's that's raging right now, um, and just try to be a a, a broad thinking person. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and do what you can. That's pretty much it. And, and, you know, do your best. I think that those, uh, self-regulating kind of procedures do a lot to mitigate depression around these kind of topics, because you know that there mm-hmm. are something you can do and that gives you something to concentrate on and to learn about. Um, so anyway, uh, we are coming up on our time. Uh, so let us go to the, uh, pet health segment for today and we'll come up and and wrap up after that hello and welcome to the pet health segment of the health and wellness show this week i would like to talk about the topic of vaccines again our regular listeners know about the dangers of over vaccination for pets and how annual boosters are totally unnecessary and in fact can be very harmful. But then, since certain infectious diseases like parvovirus in dogs and panleukopenia in cats are not only prevalent but also very deadly, is it possible to find a proper solution that could not only be effective but also optimal for your pet's health? Well, in fact, there is a solution, and I also mentioned it in the past several times. I'm talking about tighter tests. On one hand, it sounds easy enough. Instead of revaccination, do a tighter test to see if the level of antibodies is high enough. But just in case there are still questions about it, I found a recording made by Dr. Greenway where he explains it in an understandable way. It's also important to remember that while there are pets, especially cats, that can live all their lives happily at home without any vaccination at all, 
there is still danger of bringing the virus home on the soles of our shoes, for example, and other things. So even if there is real danger from vaccines, unfortunately, sometimes it is important to at least vaccinate once in a lifetime for only core vaccines. So here is the recording. I'm Dr. Clayton Greenway with healthcareforpets.com. What I want to talk about is vaccine boosters and something called titer testing. The first thing I'll say is that clients are always surprised how often we have to booster vaccines in our pets. And you have to remember that animals are much more intimately exposed to the environment. They've got their mouths on the ground, they pick up dirty things. That gives them a higher risk of being exposed to these diseases. So we have to keep up their protection against them by boostering these vaccinations. So as far as boosters are concerned, we have to think about how long does a vaccine last? And this concept is known as duration of immunity. This term basically means that when you give a vaccine, it's guaranteed to last a certain amount of time, but in a lot of pets, those vaccinations will actually last longer than that. So you have a choice to just go ahead and booster at the end of the guaranteed amount of time, or you could do something called titer testing to determine if you really need to booster that vaccine or not. So titer testing is a blood test and it measures the number of antibodies that are in your pet's bloodstream to that disease that you're vaccinating for. If it's over a certain level, it means that they have protective immunity against that and they don't require a vaccine to booster it. If it comes underneath this particular level, then it means that they need another vaccination to boost those antibodies up to a protective level. Doing titer testing is something I want every client to do because it cuts down on the need to vaccinate. And I think that's in general healthier for your pet but it's very important that we maintain those antibody levels. The problem is, is that titer testing is more expensive. In some cases, the duration of immunity can be very long. In fact, in a study that was reported in 1997, there were dogs that received a distemper vaccine. This is one of the core vaccines here in Canada that we give to every dog. And they were found to have antibodies and were therefore protected for at least 10 years after vaccination, according to this study. The current recommendation is to give this vaccine every three years to guarantee protection. But if you wanted to invest in regular titer testing for your dog, you could potentially only be boostering this somewhere between every five and 10 years. So if you don't like the idea of vaccination for your pet or think it's unnatural or want to avoid it if you can, I really recommend titer testing to determine if you need that booster or not. Review the information in our vaccine program about the different vaccines, why you would give them, and which ones you would select. We've developed a program called the Vaccination Plan Generator. What this does is it allows you to read about each vaccine that you think your pet should get and it allows you to check it off and then you can print it out and take it to your vet and see if they agree with your assessment of which vaccines you want to give and the risks that your pet has based on its lifestyle and whether that plan is effective or not. 
I've tried to put this together in plain language so that you can understand why you would give that vaccine or not and whether you want to select it. So please have a look at our other videos about general vaccination and about vaccine reactions here at healthcareforpets.com. <laughs> Are those some unvaccinated goats? Because they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> they had their tater oh, test. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank do they you, have tater tests for people? They do. <laughs> yeah? I had one. Are they commonly used or no? Yes. You had one? Yeah, I had one for the- chicken pox. And I was well protected. <laughs> Because I had chicken pox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We usually do it for any workers that are really, if they need a, a vaccine or not. So they use tighter tests, yes. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a good well, option. Um, just wanted to say, I guess, uh, if we wrap up for today, I uh, say thank you to all of our listeners and for participating in the chat. Uh, you know, I would say sorry for the depressing show, but uh, this stuff exists and it needs looked at. Uh, so do your best. Yeah. It's happening. Uh, keep your chin up. Yeah. Um, take the appropriate health measures. And uh, so, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. And be sure to check out the SOT Radio Show on Sunday at 12 uh, Eastern time. Uh, go to radio.sot.net to see the local uh, airtime for that show on Sunday. Um, and we will be back next week. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. Everybody.